women travel has raised many eyebrows in the past so many doubts so many concerns about safety and not so interesting conversations at this season of growing travel shorts we are raising conversations that are going to be progressive giving hope making women feel included make them feel happy empowered and through these conversations we envision nothing but inspiration hi i'm your host zina doshi the founder of the flap life an organization that curates solo journeys for women in india this season i'm talking to women in travel and tourism who have found creative ways of chasing and achieving their dreams of travel and creating their mark in the tourism industry you will hear candid and unedited conversations about their experiences and some secrets of the industry too through the stories shared we wish many women take the plunge to wonder and not to wonder how welcome to brewing travel shots season 3 people super excited to be back with one more very exciting episode today we have a lovely shagun uh, with us who is the founder of geeli mitti and has been driving innovation by making ecological architecture and innovative sustainability products available to all she has been consulting for central and state government policies and projects Her foundation's community initiatives uh, additionally support rural communities preserve their culture and heritage with ecotourism, uh, vernacular architecture, and traditional farming. So, w- without any further delay, let's welcome Shagun, and we're super excited to talk to her today. So, welcome to Brewing Travel Shots, Shagun. How are you doing today? Oh, very well, and thank you so much, Zinal, for having me over. Great Chagun. So tell me, tell me more about yourself, your journey of building sustainable homes, and uh, you know, you doing some amazing work with Gilimiti Farms. Tell us more about Gilimiti Farms as well. Sure. The start is really personal, because sometimes people think that you know you need a big plan and you need full project projections and you need to think it all through before you get started. but i'm sure the more and more people that you speak to what ends up happening as i'm meeting more and more people i see that most of us including myself started off as a very personal calling and on one of those smaller notes and then the idea and the thought and the intent just matures into something beautiful and you feel this is where you were meant to be so even with gilimitti for sustainable housing or as a research center or as a place where we are shaping policies and trying to bring about environmental changes the start of it was something as small and beautiful as me personally looking to build a small sustainable mud house for myself with my own hands and not being able to find any support or information for it to be able to do it and once i really did that i realized that there is a dire need for us to be working on this sphere considering how important it is and as time passes it is going to start becoming more and more and more critical 
Right. Uh, this makes me even more uh, excited to know more about Gilimiti Farms. Like, tell us more uh, what actually it does and uh, what's what's the process. And I believe there are some immersive experiences for travel community as well. Yes. So let's first understand a little bit about Gilimiti Farms and Gilimiti Foundation. We are currently into about seven different verticals that we work, but for the purpose of this podcast, we will focus more on the sustainable living and travel part of it rather than the other sections. And uh, okay. just uh, carrying on from there, our main training center, and we call it a research come training center, is set up 20 kilometers away from the main hustle and bustle of the Nenital city. It's actually set up in a fairly remote place and we don't even have a road that goes up to the space. So the roadhead itself is about one kilometers away from the training center. That's where we are located. Now, the center is in the middle of the Nena Devi bird conservation zone. So it's actually a conservation zone, but uh, as with the rest of the world and the country, it was and is getting uh, cemented and becoming a concrete jungle at an alarming pace. Now, what we do over here is, as I was saying that, you know, we realized and I realized personally that for you, Zainal, for me, I think for all of our listeners, the reason why we are even today is because at some point of time we've realized and we are already following on that path that we want to live a more sustainable life or at least we want to make some responsible choices, whether that is for our housing, that is for our food, that is for our travel whatever the case might be. We want to have fun, but at the same time, we don't want to do it at the cost of somebody else or the environment or the planet or any other animals and plants. We want that wherever we spend our time and energy and money, that should bring happiness for ourselves and for everybody else. That's really the genesis of everything that we are talking about. And that's the genesis of Gilimity as well. So I realized that People genuinely want it, but there just isn't enough information available on how to go about leading a sustainable life or starting to make a change in your housing itself to start with. Keeping okay. that in mind and also understanding, you know, I mean, I'll tell you a few interesting stories. When I first came to this village and, uh, you know, started looking for land over here in this remote place. Um, I was living with the villagers in their homes and completely immersing myself in the experience rather than coming from a fixed mindset or being from the city or what I was used to. I was like an open book trying to learn as much as I could. And I saw the changing landscape where their old gorgeous vernacular stone, mud, lime, wood, architecture was being replaced by these ugly cement homes and even the residents the farmers and the villagers would complain that oh didi you know we don't like living in these because we have to sleep outside usually on the terrace in the summers because it's so hot inside and in the right. winters we can't light a fire inside because if you light a fire inside everybody knows that you will die of carbon monoxide poisoning in a cement house so even they know that so then what, what piqued my curiosity was that if that is the case and they don't really like these modern constructions, then why is it that across the country and across the world, this is happening at such an alarming pace? 
and what i understood is both in a way entertaining and funny but at the same time it tells you what the ground realities are and i'll tell you the two main reasons that i discovered in no particular order reason number 1 was social status so social status through our childhood we've been taught about kacha makan and pakka makan kacha ghar and pakka ghar so it right. is being drilled into our brains right since childhood not just us but for them as well for everybody for all children going to school absorbing media we are constantly being bombarded being told that your sustainable beautiful gorgeous heritage vernacular structures and homes and lifestyles is backward and only when you build these modern cement homes can you be considered as somebody who so called arrived in life to the extent that uh, one of the gentlemen that i was staying with in the village he is actually now the pradhan of the village i asked okay. him that bhaiya why did you break your house and make this when you don't like it at all and he said didi i wasn't i couldn't get married and i couldn't believe it oh, okay. but yeah. right now it's there so he said nobody is willing to even give their daughter in marriage unless you live in a pakka cement home because that is considered a sign of progress it doesn't matter how it doesn't matter if the indoor air quality pollution environment temperature humidity doesn't matter what are the problems associated with it it's been made into a status symbol and that is why people have to forcibly follow it because otherwise it would mean cutting off completely from what the norm is and most people can't do that living in communities so that was one large reason that i discovered and the second important reason that i discovered was about lopsided government policies so policies like the erstwhile um, indira gandhi awas yojana or now the pradhan mantri awas yojana under these schemes the only housing bits that are approved are your so called pakka cement constructions so which means that you are giving subsidies to the villages to the cities to slums to urban areas everywhere taxpayers money is being used to give subsidies to people telling them to break their heritage architecture and their sustainable architecture and homes and build these energy guzzling toxic homes so it's a double whammy a you've related it to social status and b you're actually giving incentives to do it how do you fight that right which is what led to gilimitti setting up the center for two primary reasons right one was that how do we make these homes into status symbols now so how do we make gorgeous homes like we used to in the erstwhile era and bring back our architectural styles we build homes that you and me are used to living in terms of our current lifestyles our modern lifestyles so we build these stunning homes and at the same time we make these homes in such a manner that they are 100% energy efficient they actually lead to improving your health they lead to natural air purification they ensure that you have zero carbon emissions and that you don't contribute to any waste whatsoever being generated from your house that was one part of it and the second part of it was that even for those who want to like i wanted to i already knew that this is the kind of house that i want to live in 
but I couldn't find a place where somebody could help me do it and realize that dream. So the idea was to create that one-stop center where everybody, doesn't matter what your walk of life is, doesn't matter if you're a working individual or you are a freelancer or you are an entrepreneur, doesn't matter if you live in the city or if you live in the outskirts or if you live in the villages, doesn't matter whether you own a house or you live in a rented accommodation, doesn't matter whether you have a farmhouse or you live in an apartment complex. Irrespective of your lifestyle, can there be one spot, one space where you can come and you can get all possible solutions that you are ready for? Whether that is for making changes to your existing home, changing your plasters and paints uh, and polishes and cleaners, or that is about rainwater harvesting, or that is about water recycling systems gray water management, black water management, or it is about septic systems management, um, or it is about your waste management in your house, growing your food, anything at all. If you've just started walking down that path and you need somebody to hold your hand and guide you through and be able to show you the right solutions and connect you to all the sources to be able to get that easily, we wanted to become that space. And that's why the Gilimiti Training Center was started. Yeah, that's that's quite extensive, uh, uh, Shagun. So tell, so tell us more about what are the immersive experiences that one can experience, like what travelers can experience at Gilimiti? Sure. Now, again, what you notice is, you know, the travel industry itself, and all of us as travelers, what we expect has changed and thankfully for the better. So when you visit these rural areas and you start working at the ground level, you realize how the local culture is going away and regular hotel chains or even small standby, especially in the mountains, small standby resorts, camps, etc., are coming up and completely destroying the landscape, the culture, the agriculture, everything related, the environment, ecology of the space. We noticed the same in the areas of our operation, wherever Gilimiti Foundation was operating. So we started working on analyzing the tourism sector in each of these areas and its impact. And then started working thereon on creating models so that you don't try to create a gap between the traveler and the locals, the local experiences. So the experience was redefined for it to not be so much about what kind of a hotel are you staying in and what kind of facilities and how big the room is, but it became more about why are you traveling to this place? You're traveling to this place to understand what what is the local culture like? What are the local festivals like? What is the local food like? What are the local um, dances like? What is the local music like? What is the ecology, bird, flora, fauna of the space like? So we made this into an entire program where we made training programs that the local youth could then get trained for them to become your hiking trail guides your ecology guides, your bird watching guides, then training the locals to also be able to accept tourists 
from a homestay phenomena, designing it into different modules. So whether a group of people with family or friends wanted to come for two days or they wanted to come for five days, how do we ensure that what you take back from the space and from the experience are memories of the entire region and the people that you connected with, not about the hotel room that you stayed in? And how do we ensure that every time a traveler comes to the space, it must not benefit in terms of monetarily the so-called only hotel owner. So the money and the economy should not get restricted to one or two hands and flow out of the community. It must be decentralized. So rather than having individual units with 10 rooms or 20 rooms or 50 rooms, the idea was that it should be spread across the region with each of the families having only one room. Right. And at the same time, even the money that is being generated with, let's say, these spread out 20 families in one village, a percentage contribution of that should be going into a common fund that goes towards the upkeep of the entire region. So we focus on the waste management of the entire region, on ensuring that smokeless chulhas get installed in every household. Such that then what happens is, you know, every time a tourist comes to any of these spaces or every time a group comes, the whole community becomes happy because A, they want to share their experiences with you. B, they're so happy to meet a new face and be able to make new friends and connect with you about your stories as well and where you're coming from. And C, they already know that every time somebody comes, it's going to benefit the whole community. And it's right. not just going to actually create a more devastating waste problem for the region while the money just going, goes to one hotel. So that's how all the experiences have been crafted. Sure. So while you took us through, you know, what it is for traveler and, uh, you know, the travel community and obviously for the local communities, what are your thoughts towards growing volunteer, rural and conscious travel in India? I mean, any story, any experience that you would like to share? Yes, absolutely. Uh, now, at the main Gilimiti Center, so you know, so far I was talking about the hotels and the homestays, which is a different aspect altogether. But let's shift our focus to you know, there's always like a hub and spoke model. There needs to be a center of energy that is then supplying and going in every direction. So, like the Gilimiti Training Center runs volunteer and internship programs throughout the year, and. As Flapper Life, what you have also been doing is, you know, all of us are seeing that as travelers, we want to contribute. We want to go and volunteer in these spaces. We want to work over there and we want to be in a space where we feel that whatever time and energy that we put into it, that's actually led to an exchange of beautiful memories on both sides. So we run these programs at Gilimitti. Through the year, we accept volunteers starting from two weeks, staying for two weeks, all the way going up to a year or more. And when people come for these programs, throughout we are either doing natural building, which means we are doing mud-based structures and constructions, or we are building mud chulhas, or we are working in the local schools where we are building a library, we are building a community center, uh, we are building a computer training center. 
or we are just working on repairs and maintenance on tree planting drives, uh, taking care of the water systems, cleanliness drives. And it's so beautiful, Zainal, to see that so many people are coming voluntarily and signing up for it and even wanting to pay for it. So it, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful to interact and be able to offer a space and be able to offer these experiences to everybody. Is that what you were looking for or is there something else? No, I think this is exactly what I was looking for. It definitely sounds very exciting. Uh, you know, I think uh, when it comes to travel community, I'm sure if we all together as in the stakeholders and the travelers coming together, there's no way that we are not going to leave an impact, right? I mean, and obviously we want a better world uh, for the future folks to kind of at least enjoy it and at least live that uh, 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 live that entire community. So uh, kudos to all the work that you guys do at Gilimiti Farms. Thank you. So great. That brings me uh, probably to the last question, and um, but a very important one. So what action goals as a travel community and a stakeholder uh, you're taking for travel sustainably, uh, sustainably and consciously in the mountains? Like what are the future projects that you have it in mind? You know, before that, uh, if you don't mind, there are a few things further that I'd like to highlight. Yes, please. Uh, purely, purely from a travel and tourism perspective, because okay. that is something that I think we sometimes forget and we don't talk about often. And uh, while living in such a space and with people all over the country now, working all over the country over the last seven years, we've realized a few of these aspects and I'll highlight those. Uh, one of those aspects is, you know, we, we, we travel to different spaces, like, you know, we travel to uh, Greece, we travel to Italy, we travel to Bhutan. And as travelers, what we love, one of the reasons why we travel to these spaces is because of the way they look and feel. There is a right. homogeneity to each of the villages or the cities. And maybe what we haven't paid enough attention to is understanding that that homogeneity exists because of architecture. And architecture isn't about a building. Architecture is what defines the entire landscape, the lifestyle and the arts and culture of the space and the people. The moment you ruin that, you ruin everything. So what I was coming to was that what we are not realizing through our travel choices is that every time you stay in a newly constructed cement hotel, whether that's a five-star hotel or three-star hotel or four-star hotel, and because of not having enough restrictions or a long-term thought for the regions, what's happening is whether you travel to North India, South India, East India, West India, one village, the other, the mountain, the beach, it doesn't matter where you travel. All the landscape that you see, the infrastructure that you see, it looks exactly the same. So there is no cultural identity that is being left. And if I purely think as a traveler, putting myself in those shoes, I realize that the places that I choose to go to is the places where I can find that it looks completely different. It looks like a homogeneous cultural and architectural identity. And that's why I took the example of, you know, when we see pictures of uh, Mykonos Island in Greece or about, um, you know, islands in Italy or about even Bhutan. 
right. and we take these drone shots and we take these selfies and we pose in different areas the reason why they are tourism hubs rural tourism agri tourism hubs is because the government and the people have understood it and their policies are tailor made towards ensuring that they look and feel a certain way and each of the regions is able to give a completely different look and feel which is what is going to attract the travelers and the tourists right so that's one point that i wanted to highlight because sometimes the question is that um why so much focus on construction or natural building so one of the reasons is this that it is critical to tourism besides everything that i have highlighted and the second reason that we do not realize is that it is critical to the space even surviving a huge issue in rural mountain scapes be it shimla be it nainital any of the spaces that you hear about today is that they are at their peak bursting capacity the place can't sustain anymore the entire mountain sides are full of trash there is no waste management we've run out of water there isn't enough water at all to be able to even send to all of these hotels and every summer season which is the peak tourist season the whole place comes to collapse when you and i travel we see that the traffic jams run several kilometers long uh, especially during the long weekends when people actually start traveling right yeah and then and then uh what we also do not realize is the impact that it has the construction sector is having on these spaces i'm going to share a few uh, figures dinal uh, whether or not i don't know if it would be relevant to the audience but i'm going to share a few figures because that is at the heart of why we do what we do and why we are so particular that it's not just the experiences it's actually equally important to work on the structures that support those experiences so what we have to understand is the construction industry and i'm talking in india i'm talking in these mountain scapes the construction industry contributes to 38% of our carbon dioxide emissions that all of us keep on working about our you know we keep on talking about our carbon footprint so 38% of that is directly being contrib- contributed by the building industry itself 40% of all our fresh water resources we know that across the country we have water shortages people don't even have water to drink clean water to drink 40% of that drinking water fresh water as well as 40% of our entire energy being generated is being used by the construction sector alone 50% of all the landfill waste which further go on to pollute our groundwater resources is being contributed directly by the construction sector no other sector when you think about these figures and how the boom is coming through various reasons but to a large extent because of the travel and tourism sector as well you can't right. help but correlate it to construction and Absolutely. you can't help but yeah and you know and you can't help but correlate it specially to these sensitive areas and these sensitive areas are the areas that we travel to usually to the mountains to the beaches to the remote spaces to the beautiful scenic spots to the forests they are the areas that are critical for us to not let happen what is happening and the only way to do that seriously the only way to do that is through our choices 
so when we make the choice to travel and live book only spaces that are supporting the correct construction the correct waste disposal the correct support to the community then the job is already done because whatever the demand is that is what the supply is going to be absolutely i think this is very well highlighted uh, shagun thank you so much for taking us through you know i i, I don't think anybody has ever uh, you know spoken from a construction uh, construction point of view and i think it makes a lot of sense that yeah if our groundwork is done well uh, i think you know the other things will definitely be taken care of so yeah this definitely uh, makes a lot of sense now because like uh, you know like like purely from i'll tell you the change that i've seen in the last 3 years alone right so from when tourists like let's let's talk about one specific example let's talk about um, pangot for example which is which was a birding hotspot an international birding hotspot Uh, which is why it is within the nena devi bird conservation zone eight years back when i came over here you know most people didn't know about pangot as such a tourism hotspot only right. those who were serious about the ecology about the last surviving himalayan oak forest and about right. being able to see over 300 species of birds used to come over here it was there on the international birding circuit so people from across the world would come over here just for that now as the space became popular it has i was talking to a few people in the international community and the moment you say pangot today they will tell, you know the way they will refer to it is in a derogatory way they will say oh the construction zone so the place this beautiful place is today referred to in the international community as the construction site it's not a birding right. zone anymore we've destroyed it because of tourism yeah to that's you, that's correct yeah and to give you the positive side of it so just 5 kilometers ahead of pangot in a village where we've been working for the last few years uh flashback to let's say 2016 2017 if you spoke to any of the villagers all of them would be wanting to set up camps and you know so called uh, resorts with a couple of rooms and the only thing they knew to do would be these uh, ugly cement boxes because according to them the nenital tourist who comes is only going to stay in these places they are not right. going to stay anywhere else now today when they see that at gili miti at our research center we've made these gorgeous mud cottages and homes both inside and outside and they see people coming all of us coming international tourists coming and be willing to pay three times four times five times the price to be able to live in these luxurious mud cottages it changes the entire attitude and thought process so today when you talk to these same villagers on whether they would like to build a cottage made out of mud and with their vernacular techniques or would they like to make it like these cement boxes it gives me great pleasure in saying that they actually choose the former they will tell you that they want to make these mud cottages like gilimitti right and they yeah. are lining up to be able to do that because they see the demand so they see that oh the travelers and the tourists want to stay in these places rather than just an ugly cement box and hence if the money and if the demand is coming from here then we are going to go ahead and build it so even if the thought is not purely environmental the thought the ground reality is the thought will at least be economical it will at least be finance 
and that is totally in our control and in the control of organizations like yours to be able right. to get these collective of women these collective of people who are interested in experiential responsible travel right thank you so much shagun i think that was quite quite insightful and uh, we really hope that we get to cross our paths again thank you so much for taking us through your journey and it was lovely chatting with you same here and i'm really i i would love to host all of you over at gilimiti and the surrounding villages whenever that time comes yes absolutely we will definitely keep in touch and whenever we are coming there we are surely pinging you our groundwork is done well uh, i think you know the other things will definitely be taken care of so yeah this definitely uh, makes a lot of sense now because like uh, you know like like purely from i'll tell you the change that i've seen in the last 3 years alone right so from when tourists like let's let's talk about one specific example let's talk about um, pangot for example which is which was a birding hotspot an international birding hotspot Uh, which is why it is within the nena devi bird conservation zone eight years back when i came over here you know most people didn't know about pangot as such a tourism hotspot only right. those who were serious about the ecology about the last surviving himalayan oak forest and about right. being able to see over 300 species of birds used to come over here it was there on the international birding circuit so people from across the world would come over here just for that now as the space became popular it has i was talking to a few people in the international community and the moment you say pangot today they will tell, you know the way they will refer to it is in a derogatory way they will say oh the construction zone so the place this beautiful place is today referred to in the international community as the construction site it's not a birding right. zone anymore we've destroyed it because of tourism yeah to that's you, that's correct yeah and to give you the positive side of it so just 5 kilometers ahead of pangot in a village where we've been working for the last few years uh flashback to let's say 2016 2017 if you spoke to any of the villagers all of them would be wanting to set up camps and you know so called uh, resorts with a couple of rooms and the only thing they knew to do would be these uh, ugly cement boxes because according to them the nenital tourist who comes is only going to stay in these places they are not right. going to stay anywhere else now today when they see that at gili miti at our research center we've made these gorgeous mud cottages and homes both inside and outside and they see people coming all of us coming international tourists coming and be willing to pay three times four times five times the price to be able to live in these luxurious mud cottages it changes the entire attitude and thought process so today when you talk to these same villagers on whether they would like to build a cottage made out of mud and with their vernacular techniques or would they like to make it like these cement boxes it gives me great pleasure in saying that they actually choose the former they will tell you that they want to make these mud cottages like gilimitti right and they yeah. are lining up to be able to do that because they see the demand so they see that oh the travelers and the tourists want to stay in these places rather than just an ugly cement box and hence if the money and if the demand is coming from here then we are going to go ahead and build it 
so even if the thought is not purely environmental the thought the ground reality is the thought will at least be economical it will at least be finance and that is totally in our control and in the control of organizations like yours to be able right. to get these collective of women these collective of people who are interested in experiential responsible travel right thank you so much shagun i think that was quite quite insightful and uh, we really hope that we get to cross our paths again thank you so much for taking us through your journey and it was lovely chatting with you same here and i'm really i i would love to host all of you over at gilimiti and the surrounding villages whenever that time comes yes absolutely we will definitely keep in touch and whenever we are coming there we are surely bringing you 